Good morning, church. How y'all doing this morning? Good. All right. So this morning, we're going to be in the book of Jonah, okay? So um, some of y'all have heard the story. If you've never read the book, um, Jonah is in between Obadiah and Micah. Somebody's like, yeah, you're really helping me out a lot. So look, if you've never read the book of Jonah, uh, there's something in the front of your Bible called a table of contents. And it's, it's a, it's a lifesaver. So y'all go to it, find it. It's fine. I'm going to give you a minute as you find it. You know, we always give God's scripture and put it on, on the screen. But, you know, there's something about reading God's word for yourself. Amen? And, and mo- I preach out of the NIV, so sometimes our translations may be a little different. But that's why we put it on the screen. Um, but uh, as you're going and trying to find your place, I just want to celebrate a couple of things. Um, we, you know... One of the things, the Bible says that wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? And so you can track people's um, relationship with Christ based on their bank account, right? I, and so as I've, we've been looking over the last, I've got a lot of uh, percentages. I don't look and see who's giving, so don't be like, oh, God, he's looking to see if I'm paying my tithes. That ain't it. Uh, but, man, our Track record, you guys, y'all's track record of tithing has been increasing substantially over the last three years. And so what that tells me is that not only are you giving of what God's given you, but you also are growing closer to God. Because the more you love Jesus, the more you're willing to give. And so I just want to thank God for for you guys giving and being generous about that because um, that helps us as a church take our next step. And our next step as a church is we get to move. Amen? Woo-hoo! Am I the only one excited? All right. You should look around and see these portable air conditioners. You should say, thank you, Jesus, we're moving. Um, in mid-July, we're going to move to the new school. We've, we've announced this a couple times. Just You might not be here, but um, our Board of Education has been so gracious enough to allow us um, to pay them rent, but it's still great that we get to move to the new school. And so we're going to be meeting in the cafeteria and uh, a whole lot less set up, praise the Lord, and, uh, and we get... They'll have air conditioner every single Sunday. So y'all just hang on until then. But um, it's just a good thing to see God allowing us to do different things and, and, and uh, just God's favor on our church. And so y'all just keep praying for that. And as the transition gets closer, we'll start giving you more and more dates so that one Sunday you don't show up and you're here and nobody else is, okay? So if everybody find the book of Jonah? Amen. All right. So when we think about Jonah, everybody thinks... Great. You're going to talk about the fish and him being in the belly of the whale, right? That's the two things that everybody remembers about the book of Jonah. If you've never even read it, you've heard that story as a child. But I want you to understand something about Jonah, is that Jonah was a man driven by selfishness. And as I, as I read God's Word, I've, I've read this book a bunch the last couple of weeks preparing, and that's one thing that God kept putting on my heart is him being driven by selfishness. And how many of us allow our selfishness to drive us away from God? And so we are a lot more like Jonah than we try to think. I've said the comment before, you know, man, that man was hard-headed. What you, what you, you got to get put in the belly of a fish for you to, to change your mind. And some of us haven't been in the belly of a fish, but we've been in some really hard circumstances that has made us change the way we think. And so we're a lot like Jonah. But I want to give you some, some context before we get into reading. But, see, Jonah was mentioned before this book in 1 Kings. In 2 Kings, I'm sorry. 
And so Jonah is a very difficult time in the, in the, in, in the uh, country of Israel. And at that time, it was, it was full of affliction, full of bitterness. And so, but God rescued and saved his people from, of Israel from destruction. And he used Jonah to prophesy that. So they could see that relief was coming. So Jeroboam II, he wasn't a good king at all. But God used him to help rescue Israel and give them victory in war. And that's in 2 Kings chapter 14, if you want to read that later. But through these wars, God fulfilled the prophecy that Jonah had, give, had given. And it was, it was a prophecy to saying he was going to extend the borders of Israel. He was going to expand their territory. Pretty much they were going to be prosperous. And so as a result of these events, it seemed that Jonah had become very popular. You know, popularity will send you down a wrong road sometimes, won't it? So Jonah was very popular in the nation of Israel because he had given this, this great prophecy. Everybody wants to hear what God says when it's good, don't they? So they, they were given this, this prophecy. He was well-liked. People viewed his prophecy about the expansion of Israel and their territory as evidence that God was on their side and God was going to bless them as a nation. And they thought that was the first step in Israel finally receiving the full allotment of land that was promised by God. So, so, you, so you see that happening, and then you get to the book of Jonah, and when God speaks to Jonah, and he says, we're going to read the first 17 verses. Verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Because of its wickedness that has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose, and the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid of and each cried out to its own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below the deck where he lay, had laid down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on, my, on your God. Maybe he will take note of us that, he will not, that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let's cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us who was responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I'm a Hebrew. I'm a worshiper of the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This, was terif this terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. Verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know this is all my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did, did their best to row back to land, but they could not. For the sea grew even wilder before them than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, 
and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And man, a lot goes down in 17 verses. But as I read this, Jonah, God, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and he tells them to go to the city of Nineveh. And the people of Nineveh were enemies of the Lord. They were enemies of Israel. They were, they were ruthless people. People that, and in those times, the people of Israel, they saw the, the Ninevites as a threat to their prosperity. And so here, this great prophet, this great and, and popular, he's on, he's on cloud nine. Everybody's, there's the man of God. He, and now he's going to have to go share the gospel with these people that they hate. That don't look good to your image, does it? Huh? How many of us guys told to go talk to a certain group of people that's outside of your, um, your economical uh, range, I guess you could say, outside of your popularity, outside of your circle, outside of people you hang with? How, how many times has God told you to do that and you haven't done it? I mean, so, looking, I know this has been deep here lately, but y'all got to talk to me a little bit. Last couple weeks been lonely. I've been lonely up here. Y'all gonna let me be lonely? No? All right. Y'all got to speak loud because these things got me deaf. These, these air conditioners got me deaf, so y'all got to say some loud amens. Amen? Amen. All right. So, so Jonah gets the word of the Lord, and God tells him to go to Nineveh and preach against it because the wickedness had come to God. And so he says he sends him on a mission, and, no, and, and Jonah's like, uh-uh, bro, I, I'm not doing that. I'm not, do, I'm not going to Nineveh because I know who you are. I know how great you are. And I know that if I go and preach your word to these people, they will repent and things will change. I'm not going. See, Jonah thought he knew better than God. And if, I, and if we're not careful, our selfishness will grow in us and we think that we know better than God. Our plan is better than God. And it will lead us to not being submitted to God. Jonah said that I, I am a worshiper of God. So there's a, there's a possibility of being able to worship God but not obey God, right? So he's, he gets to this point. It's like where the rubber meets the road. It's easy to be submitted to God when it's all easy, right? But when God commands you, when God tells you to do something different, when God tells you to step out of your normal routine and God tells you to do something outside of that, that's when your submission really shows if you're truly submitted to God. And so Jonah has been given this easy task, He's been, and all of a sudden, this is a hard thing. And he's like, nope, God, I'm going the other way. It isn't like he just told God no, okay? He ran the opposite direction, and he went as far as he could away from God. See, when we disobey God, it drives us further away from the presence of God. I don't know how many Christians that I've counseled and talked to, I just don't feel close to God like I used to. When's the last time you spent time with God? And it'd be a long, dead silence. And like, well, why don't you spend time with God? And if I kept digging and kept pressing, if they would let me, it would come back to a moment in which they disobeyed God and they would never humble themselves and admit they were wrong and come back to him. See, pride has pushed a many a man and woman away from God. And pride is a root of all evil, right there by money. But pride allows, and it feeds our bitterness. It feeds our selfishness. So Jonah gets into trouble by not submitting to God. That leads him into disobeying God even more. And so when we value 
our vision for our life more than God's vision, then it leads us astray too. Have you ever sat back and thought what God's vision is for your life? Some of y'all, some most of us, be real, we're just trying to get through today, right? We ain't worried about no vision. We ain't worried about 10 years from now, right? Now, some of you got your retirement plans made up, and you're checking your portfolio every, you're checking it at breakfast, lunch, and supper. You got it all mapped out. But those things don't matter if your life is mapped out for the the gospel and for God, what he wants you to do. And so, so often we just kind of do life. And, 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 you know, and, and so we're doing life, we're, we're doing what we want to do, and if we have time to do what God asks us to, we'll do it, and if we don't, then we'll just do it later, or maybe not at all. We're not really intentional with, with those things, and if you're not careful when God tells you to do stuff, if, you're not, if you don't have a vision to please God and to pursue God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, then when the time arises for him to lead you somewhere, you're going to take the back seat and say, oh, that, make, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. And you're going to disobey God. And so, so just because he was popular and he was well-liked, once he was, I know, I'm thinking, I'm putting myself in Jonah's, in Jonah's shoes. All right, I'm, I'm popular, I'm well-liked. All right, once everybody finds out, all my, all my people from the hometown found out that I'm going to, to my enemies to preach to them so that may, they may repent, they're not going to like me. They're, not, they're going to look different upon me. I might not get invited to the family reunion. Praise God. That'd be a blessing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love my family. But, you know, it's just what's going to happen. And so if we're not careful, we worry about what people will think, and, and, and it drives us. We we're not submitted to God. And so we, we, we allow our submission to God to be contingent upon what people think about us. Instead of what God is telling us to do. And it's way more important than that. And so Jonah is approached by God and he's told him to go to, to Nineveh. See, all this started, his whole attitude changed. All that started by him having the wrong attitude toward God's will. See, most of us disobey God because we have the wrong attitude about God's will. See, we think we can take it or leave it. We think we can, we can just, if we, don't, if we don't want to, then we don't have to. I'm an American, okay? I can do what I want to do. But if you're a, if you're a follower of the King Jesus, you don't, and if you're truly a, a devoted follower of Christ, you don't have a choice. Wherever he leads, I'll go. We used to sing that song. Everybody lied about singing that song. Nobody meant that. Everybody he leads, and I'll go straight to the parking lot and to house. I'm not going to my neighbor to tell him about Jesus. And it goes even deeper than that. I mean, we, I, I'm bent toward evangelism. I love sharing the gospel. But, but it's even, God's, called some, God's, God's given some of you the gift of hospitality that you can bring people into your home and they feel like they family and, and you can love on them that way. That's your gift. Some of, you, some of your gift is just caring for people. I don't know, there's, there's a lot of you in this, in this room that you just text me out of the blue and say, I'm praying for you. Man, that means more than anything. Are you doing that to people that, that are struggling. You're doing that for other people that are that, that don't know Jesus because they don't know friends like that. They don't have friends like that. It's easy to submit. But see, when we have the wrong attitude toward God's will, it's everything's optional. We can take it or leave it. When God says to do something, I can just tell him no. 
and I can do something else. And we think he should be okay with that, right? And the problem with that is we have equated ourselves to God and said that we are equal to him and we can make our own decisions and he needs to be okay with it. And that's not it. He's God. It's not optional. See, he didn't like God's plan, so he ran the other direction. How many of us in this room has God told us to do something or God's called us to, 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 to go somewhere? God's called us to talk to someone. God's called us to, to do something, and we said, no, that, that makes me uncomfortable, and I'm not doing that. So you just didn't come to church. I got tickled. There was a lady uh, from my other church. She, um, I missed her. I didn't see her for a long time. And, and I was associate pastor, so I had a little more leeway. I could, I could, I could say, where you been? The pastor couldn't do that. He'd get, they'd get mad at him. But I said, where you been? I've been missing you. She's like, oh, I, I hadn't been. You know, they, they asked me to be on this committee, and that's just too much commitment for me. And I, and I know that I told them no, and I know they didn't like it, so I just ain't been back to church. I said, so you have... Broke fellowship with God because you're worried about what other people are thinking? She was like, no, I just ain't been coming to church. I was like, no, you've you broke fellowship. You, 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 you're not coming to church. You're not even pursuing. When's the last time you read your Bible? And she just kind of looked at me, and I was like, you're allowing other people to dictate you? And it was at that time in which she told me that it was time for me to go, so I went home. <laughs> but the reality is, is we allow our own opinion of ourselves and our own schedules to dictate our submission to God. And we say, you know what, I can take you or leave you. And the reality of this is unrepentant sin will flow into open rebellion. See, he didn't just tell God no. That, that, that selfishness inside of him grew and said, no, I'm not going. He grew into rebellion and he pushed God's whole plan off and went the opposite direction. And it'll flow on into intentional sin. I, I don't know. I don't know if any of y'all have struggled with that in the past. But I used to. I've when I first started walking with God, when He would tell me something, or or I would read something in God's Word, and I'm like, you know what? That applied to them back then. That don't apply to me right now. And so I would take it or leave it. And what I would realize is when God would reveal truth to my heart, and I would say, No, not now, God. I would fall into sin, and, I, and I, would, I would find myself in a dry season, and that whole dry season was created because of my rebellion, not because God left me. And so many Christians say, well, I feel like I just, I'm just in a dry place. I, I had heard the word of God in, in, in six months. Well, I, my, if that's you today, I want you to go back to the last place you found him, the last place you heard him. What's the last thing that he talked to you about? And start there. Because reality, most of the time in that place is where you left him because he didn't leave you. And so Jonah had the wrong attitude toward God's will, but also toward God's word, okay? So when the word of the Lord comes to you, we got the two choices. We got to obey or we got to disobey, right? And so the word of the Lord, the voice of God, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Jonah thought he could take it or leave it. How many people have the same attitude today? God's word right here. And let me tell you a little something else that is the word of the Lord. That is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the word of the Lord. But it is God inside of you helping you walk this thing out. So how many of us have... Ooh, this is going to be bad. Drag your feet in. I might step on. The thing is, how many of us God has told us on a Sunday morning to come and repent of something and we've said, not today, God. 
We've told the word of the Lord, no. The Holy Spirit has been dealing with something inside of me, a a tendency, a temptation, but yet we tell God, no, not now. You're, you're, You're telling the word of the Lord, no. We can take you to leave it. Holy Spirit, you're inside of me, and I appreciate you living with me, but you know what? I can take you or leave you. He's not driving you. He's just, he just kind of like a tag-along buddy back there. The Holy Spirit is meant to enable you and to live inside of you and help you live this thing out. When he says, take left, take a left, you better take a left, brother. When he says, take a right, you better take a right. He should be your navigational system. I remember riding with a preaching buddy of mine, and we were riding to, um, to, uh, to a conference together, and it wasn't Dallas. We were riding to a conference together, and my brother in there, he, had to, he, he put in the address before we left, and we were riding to McCray. That's where we were riding. We were going to McCray. And we get right there close to Soberton, and you know, Soberton to McCray isn't that far. And he says, the GPS says, take it right. And he just keeps going, recalculating. I'm like, bro, where are you going? He said, ah, that GPS, I ain't listening to that thing. I know where I'm going. Okay. We ended up 45 minutes late to the conference because he knew where he was going. And so many of us do God the same way. God, I know what I'm doing. I got this thing. And we find ourselves in a place of despair and darkness before we know it when we've been walking in the light the whole time if we'd have been listening to what he said. Jonah's a great example of that. See, if you don't respect God's word as authoritative in your life, you will only pick out the things that you want to do and leave out the things you don't want to do. I know people that do that. They, the man, all you see them put on, screen, on Facebook is only good stuff. It's only good stuff. See, I want to ask you a question. What are you leaving out of your life because to act on God's word mean, would mean that you would be uncomfortable? You wouldn't get your way. What are you leaving out? What are the things God's challenging you to do? What what things are God's challenging you to walk away from, but yet you're still comfortable in who you are and who who you are in this moment, and you don't want any different? If that's you this morning, I hope conviction strikes your heart because you want you more than you want Jesus. And see, and Jonah is a great example of what a man yielded to his own passions will do. It will drive you into a very, very dark place. See, Jonah's hate for the sin of the Assyrians, it turned into hate to the, the people. See, the Ninevites were a, were, were a part of the Assyrians, and the Assyrians were very ruthless people, man. They were, they were horrible people. They would skin people alive. They would skin people alive, and then they would bury them in the sand alive. They would pull their tongues out and stake it in the dirt. They were very barbaric people. And so the Israelites had heard what they had done and what Jonah had done. Instead of hating the sin, he hated the people. How many of us do that? We look at the sin and we associate the person with the sin instead of having compassion on the person and hating the sin that they're in. And see, Jonah saw those people and he hated the people and he wasn't going to go. See, that's a huge thing. There's a lot of people in your life that God wants you to witness to, God wants you to do life with, God wants you to love on and show them the love of Christ, but we won't because of our preconceived notions and our own ideas, and we're like, you know what, I'm not going over there because of that sin. 
We make ourselves judge and jury. And we, what we do, we put ourselves on this pedestal and say, I'm better because I'm not struggling with that sin. And we hate the sin. We hate the people instead of the sin. And that's what, the, that's what Jonah fell into. We focus, on, we focus on the sin instead of the people. We miss God's heart totally. How many times have we done that? How many times have we done that? I got a, God really humbled me in that with, with a guy one day. There was a guy, he was, I, I didn't understand it at the moment, and he was a, and I, I didn't, I wasn't going to share this, but God keeps prompting me too, so I'm going I'm to share it. But there was a guy that, they reached out to me, and he was a, he was a homosexual, and, and I didn't understand the sin, and I really was uncomfortable with it. You know, because I'm a very attractive guy. I didn't want to tempt them at all. And so I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I knew you were looking for that. That's why I said it. But I, I was just, I don't know, it just made me uncomfortable. And so you know what happened is that guy reached out to me, and I, I said, my schedule's packed, Bo. I'm just sorry. And I, God kept t- dealing with me. God kept dealing with me, and I sat down in front of him, and the man broke. We were at, we were at um, Starbucks, and the guy was standing in front of me. And before we even talked about God's word, he just kind of teared up, and he said, man, thank you so much for being willing to meet with me because there's so many people that say they love Christ, but yet they hate me. And, man, I... I we both cried like two women right here because I told him how sorry I was because that was me. I had allowed my opinion of the sin to change the way I felt about a man. And we met several times and we talked about Christ and we still text from time to time. And, and, but I love that, the man. See, so many times we look at sin and we, we start identifying them with that sin and, and we pull ourselves out of a relationship with them. I don't care if it's, a, if it's a sin of adultery, if it's a sin of, of whatever, you, you want to name it. All of us feel certain ways towards certain things, and so what you struggle with might not be what I struggle with, but if we start looking at people and identifying them as the sin instead of as the sin affecting them, it changes things, and it'll push you away from them, and especially if God's calling you to go speak into their life, and that's what happened with Jonah. And so... Let me ask you a question. Who do you struggle with with being willing to reach out to? Who? Maybe it might be a hard family member. Maybe it might be somebody that hurt you a long time ago. Maybe it be somebody of a different race. Maybe it might be somebody that lives in a, in a different area that you live in. Maybe it's somebody that's struggling with a sin. But Who? Because that's important. I think a lot of times we come to church and we want to hear a good sermon, but we don't want to apply nothing to our lives, right? We, oh, that's good. Write that down, and I want you to pray about on that, and I want you to say, God, give me the courage to, to, to see them the way you see them so that I can be the vessel that you called me to be to go to them. Amen? We need to go and do God's word, not just listen to it. And so verse 4 through 17, it continues to talk about how Jonah's rebellion, it kind of continued to lead him to where he didn't hear God speak anymore. See, if we continue to walk away from God, if we continue to be, we won't hear God speak. 
And so Jonah didn't hear God anymore. So what, what happened was, what had happened was, was God stopped speaking to him by his words, but he started speaking to him by the fruit of Jonah's disobedience. See, there's consequences to not obeying God. Y'all with me? There's consequences. We don't want to talk about that. That's not the good stuff, but there's consequences. And to experience the goodness of God means to fear God. And we got to walk in that. And so what happened was, because of Jonah's disobedience, the, sh- the, the shipwreck come, the, the, the storm come, all that stuff. He got thrown into the sea. He was, he was at the end of his rope. He was so willing to die in his selfishness to where he was willing to, to, to just say, kill me. Throw me, commit suicide. Throw me, in the, throw me into the water. That's a hard heart there, ain't it? See, open, unrepentant sin will harden your heart so much to where nothing else matters but your own way of life. So the next thing is what happens, what I love. Verse 17, it says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And from the inside of the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord. See, I love that. That's not the end. God is a redeeming God. Amen? Even when we disobey, God is full of grace and mercy. He sends a fish to swallow him up. And you can focus on the fish if you want to. I know, I, I believe God's word. People will talk all this stuff about it wasn't a fish. It was, it was a fish. There's stuff in that ocean that we don't even know exists. There's, it was a fish. And it swallowed him up. And so he was in the belly of this fish. See, our brokenness and disobedience, it sometimes separates us from God, but also what it does is it drains us of our energy to fight. And he ended up in the belly of the fish because he had lost his fight. He wasn't fighting against sin. He was just going with the flow. How many of us are guilty of that? And he's in this, he was thrown into the sea. Now he's in this darkness. I can only imagine what the belly of this fish was like. It probably didn't smell good. You know it was dark. There were some noises in there that sounded worse than the Blair Witch Project. I mean, there's some horrible stuff going on in there. That movie scarred me for life, by the way. So he's in the belly of the fish. You know what kills me? Is it took Jonah three days. Three days. He's in the belly of this fish for three days before he prays to God. I mean, that just shows how rebellion can harden your heart to where you don't want to listen to God. You know, I don't know how many people I've said, you know what you're doing. I know, I know it isn't right, but they keep walking in it. They keep going in it. And so Jonah's in the belly of his feet. How many of us are that stubborn? Don't raise your hand, but stop looking at your spouse. But that's the thing. We're, that, we're stubborn people, right? And so Jonah was that stubborn, that hard-hearted to where he was in the belly of the fish. There's no way out. Well, there's one way out, but he didn't want to go that way out. And he's like, There's, I, I, I'm at the end of my rope, so it's either, it's either get right with God or, or I'm done. It took him three days. See, how far are you willing to reject God? Because what I love about that is God could have delivered him the next day. He could have spit him out and said, I'm just trying to teach you a lesson. But God kept him there in that dark place, in that uncomfortable situation, until he got to the end of himself. And so what, what that tells me is that what God does is when we get 
full of ourselves, he will keep us in the dark until we're tired of ourselves and we're willing to lean on God. And so, so many times we're trying to give the devil credit of something we put ourselves in. Oh, the devil's done this to my life. I'm, I'm hurting because of Satan. No, you're hurting because of your own disobedience to God. And he's got you in this dark place to, bring, to teach you something so you will come out of this and not be a disobedient child anymore. I don't know about you guys, but a spanking hurts. Some of y'all may not have experienced any of them. My daddy, sometimes I, I was the good child. But my little brother, whew, Lord. My daddy spanked him every time he saw him. He spent most of his time looking for him. But my little brother knows what a, spank, what a beating looks like. But when you're not obedient to God, see, disobedience is painful. It's sometimes not fun when God's trying to get you back in line. And so he's got Jonah in this dark place for three days. And I'll tell you, that shows me such a picture of what, what stubbornness and pride, how it can separate us from God. And Jonah finally broke when he realized that God's plan was better than his own. And what a better place to be in the, in the middle of an of, of a ocean in the belly of a fish, in solitude. See, when I found myself a lot of times struggling with things, I have to go alone and be with God. And I let him talk to me. Because people can talk you into all kinds of stuff. Only God can lead you in the right direction. You know, so, so, for, so for some reason, it took these drastic things to get his attention. Because a lot of us are the same way. We're headstrong. We're born our own way. We're on our own wheel. But God will put us in a position that changes our perspective. I'm, thankful for, I'm so thankful for that. So, so is, there, is there anybody in here that may need a perspective change this morning? And so he continues on, and, and he admits that God's will was correct, and he, that his plans were wrong. And, that, and that's the first step to change, right? Admitting that you're wrong. That's the struggle a lot of people have. They don't want to admit that they're wrong. They want to blame it on everybody else. I, I get tickled. I go back and read my prayer, my prayer journal, and, and half of my prayer journal is me calling out everybody else. Oh, I, was, I had a bad attitude today. Melissa said the wrong thing to me when I came out of the school, and she was just mean to me. And, you know, it's all Melissa's fault because I'm acting that way. And then I went home, and, and because of what she did, I was mean to Sabrina. And, it was just, it was, and Sabrina was in a bad mood, and I just listed all their problems, which is like two pages long. I'm throwing, the, I'm throwing shade on everybody else. And then at the end, I'm like, but God, when I got along with you, you really showed me that I was wrong, and I need to go apologize, and I need to do this, and I need to go reconcile that. See, it's easy to put everybody else in the limelight, but you need to come, go to God's Word and let it shine light on you so that you can be made new and be renewed. And Jonah didn't do that. Jonah didn't come back to God. And so chapter 3, I love this. He says, then the word of the Lord Verse 1, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Can you say that? Say, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Can you say that? A second time. Come on. A second time. See, we got a God. We serve a God of second chances. Amen. And just because you messed up yesterday don't mean you can't get it right today. 
And see, God, we serve a God that, that he came to Jonah in his hard heart, in his, in his rebellion, and he came to him and gave him a second chance. And he came and he moved in Jonah's heart. And, and I love this because it shows how merciful and grace-driven God is. That he comes to us, that he didn't have to. He could have washed his hands of Jonah, but he came to him and said, I want to give you another chance. But then, so Jonah goes to Nineveh. I love this. He goes to Nineveh, and he preaches the word of the Lord, and the whole town, the whole city gets saved. The whole city gets saved. Amen. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, you don't hear of that. The whole city gets saved. The king gets right with God. He gives it fast. I mean, I mean, the Holy Spirit is just pouring out all kind of stuff in that place. And, man, there's miracles happening. And, and Jonah didn't, he was so full of himself still, after God gave him a second chance, that he was mad at God for saving the people. His heart was so hard that even when he saw the miracle happening in front of his eyes, he rejected it. How many of us do that? Jonah 4 says, but, verse 1 says, But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry, and he prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish I knew that you were that you are a gracious and compassionate God slow to anger and abounding in love and God who relents from sending calamity now Lord take my life for it is better for me to die than to live man that's hardcore right there knowing the attributes of God and but rejecting that grace see he knew what the grace of God looked like but he rejected that even for his own self See, we reject the grace of God when we choose our way over God's way. When we choose our bitterness over God's plan. We choose our unforgiveness over God's plan. When we choose our emotions over what God's saying. When we tell God, no, I don't want to do that. We, we are rebelling and we're kicking away the grace that God wants to give you. And I'll tell you that this this hurts my heart because there is a many a man and woman that claim to be a worshiper of God that you reject the grace of God every day. You may read your Bible, but you reject the grace of God every day by the way you live, by the way you, you, you don't, you're not walking in the grace. We walk in religion instead of walking by the Spirit and walking by the grace of God. God gave him a second chance, but his heart never changed. He did the will of God, but he never really turned his heart from hating the Ninevites. See, you can do good works, but your heart not be in it. See, that's why just doing things for the kingdom doesn't mean anything. It's, it's your heart in it. Amen? You can read the Bible, but you can be reading it out of obligation, and you're not doing it to know God. You're doing it. Ready? All right. You're doing it to appease your religious conscience. Y'all like that? We just skip a beat and keep on going. And that's the thing. It's crazy to me. How many chances has God 
given you. How many second chances has God given you? How many second chances has he given you to restore a relationship? How many second chances has he given you to ask for forgiveness? How many second chances has he given you to go to that brother or sister that you've hurt? How many second chances has he given you to talk to that drug addict and tell them that there's hope? How many second chances has he given you to share the gospel with your family that don't know Jesus? How many second chances has he given you, but you reject it because you don't want it because it don't fit in your schedule, it don't fit in that little planner, it doesn't fit in your family schedule? you because you're too driven by you instead of being driven by God and when we're driven by God it draws us when we're driven by ourselves it drives us away from God and before you know it we have lived a life going to church our whole entire lives but fruitless in the eyes of God because we've done all these things we wanted to do and we didn't do one thing God asked us to and it's like our whole lives we go to like going to McDonald's and and we go and we order a Big Mac and we go back and we bring it to God. And he's like, hey, I got you Big Mac. He said, I didn't want a Big Mac. All I wanted was a small fry. We think we know better than God. And that's like Jonah. He thought he knew better than God. I'm going to do this in the hopes it's going to please you. We know what God wants. We know God's will. Amen. Why don't we do it? Why don't we live in it? Why don't we act on it? Why don't we allow God to drive us instead of we drive ourselves? See, and Jonah, to me, is, it really hurts my heart because his lack of compassion, driven by selfishness, made his heart so hard that in the light of this miracle, he was heartless. How many of us are just heartless toward people? A lot of us, I, 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 can, I, can, I can be honest with you. I shared the gospel with people in my family so many times to where I just wrote them off. I just wrote them off. Till one day, I remember God was telling me to go share the gospel with one of my family members. I was like, I done done it 10 times. I ain't doing it again. I wrote them off. And in that rebellion, I thank God that my heart's not hard. But in that rebellion, I, I remember being mad thinking they didn't deserve your grace. You've done given them enough chances. And God told me in that truck going to talk to them, you were going in your timing. You were going in your plans. But this is my time and this is my plan, so go do it. See, a lot of times we go do the will of God but without God telling us to go do it because we think it's a good idea. And then we get discouraged because it didn't have the fruit we thought it should be. It's because we're planting it in the wrong dirt. God's called us to be people that are listening to him and be obedient to him, not driven by our own ambition and desire. See, God is offering Jonah and then about grace, but Jonah would not receive the grace himself because he couldn't give something that he didn't have himself. And so many of us are trying to, trying to live this out, but we're not given out of what we have. See, in the church, we try the same thing. We try to manipulate our behavior, but God doesn't, God, wanted, God didn't want Jonah's behavior. He wanted Jonah's heart. And God wants your heart. And when he has your heart, your behavior will change. Amen? God's called us to that. See, our brokenness will only be changed when we're yielded to the plan that God has for our life. See, this whole book of Jonah and then it ends, the book of Jonah ends with Jonah 
still rebelling against God. He's seen all this stuff. And he's been in the belly of a fish. He was saved from the he was saved from all that. He's seen God do all these great things, but yet he was still rebelling against him. Jonah's stubbornness and selfishness would not allow him to see the goodness of God. See, Jonah is still mad because they repented. He's still mad because God's plan didn't line up to his plan. Oh, Lord. Now, how many of us are like that? We get mad because God's timing is not my timing. We got to remain, we got to remember that God moves fast some days and he moves slow other days. We just got to be faithful in doing what he tells me to do today. Amen? Not get ahead of God. See, what's God been trying to show you that you've been refusing to see? I'm going to ask you that last question before we close. What's God been trying to show you that you've been refusing to see? This whole time, this whole story, God's been trying to show Jonah his grace and his compassion toward those far from him. The whole time he's been trying to reveal to Jonah his goodness and his grace, but Jonah was so stuck on himself that he could not see the thing that God was trying to teach him. And there's a lot of us in this room, we might, you might be in a hard place right now. You might be in a place where you just feel stuck. You might be in a place to where it just works hard. You might be in a place that where it's just life is tough right now. You don't understand. You need to back up and not say, God, you need to ask God, God, what are you trying to teach me in this situation? Don't let me see this for face value. What are you trying to show me through this? And I promise you, if you go to him with that heart, he'll tell you. Well, oftentimes we're just responsive people. We react to emotion instead of backing up a minute and saying, hold on, God might have another plan. God's got something different. I challenge you to do that. And as we close, I want you to realize one thing is that the book of Jonah is all about the will of God and how we respond to it. And it also it paints a glorious picture of how God, how his redeeming grace. We, we, put, the, we put the focus on Jonah, but let me, let me break something down to you. It's not about this giant fish that was only mentioned four times in the whole book. Okay, It's not about the city of Nineveh that was only mentioned nine times in the book. It's not about Jonah that was only mentioned 18 times in this whole book. It's all about God. This whole story is all about God. So last question, if you take God out of your story, what changes? If you take God out of your story, what changes? Does nothing change? And if nothing changes, then you don't know Jesus. Because you can't live a life in, in, in saying that you're following of Christ and take him out of your life and nothing change. So if your life has always been about you, then you take your church attendance out. You take your Bible reading out. You take all this stuff out. Nothing changes. Is that you this morning? Is that you this morning? And if that's you and you say, Jeremy, I'm telling you, Pastor, that if that's if I take church attendance out, take these things out, if I take the Word of God out, then let me tell you, there's nothing going to change in my life. If that's you, then you need to raise your hand and say, I need true salvation this morning. And if that's you this morning, I challenge you to raise your hand. I challenge you to be bold and say, Jeremy, I want to follow Jesus. I want to give God my life so that they, He will make a difference in me. Is that you this morning? Anybody? Anybody?
that should be a sobering question to even those of you in this room that say you know Jesus. If you take him out of your story, what changes? Does everything change? Does the way you love your wife change? Does the way you love your husband change? Does the way you, you, you get up in the morning, does your routine change? What changes if you take God out of your story? Anything. What areas in your life will not be affected? Because that's a great litmus test to know where you're not allowing God to work. Will your work life change? Will your relationships change? Will, will, will anything change in your life? Will your music change? Will the movies you watch change? What will change if you take God out of your life? See, God relentlessly pursues our heart, guys, even when we're broken. This whole story, he continued to pursue Jonah, even though Jonah kept rejecting him. So what are the things that you need to give to God this morning? What are the things you need to lay at the feet of Jesus? How many chances has God already given you? But yet you keep saying later, what's the Holy Spirit saying? Now's the time for you to act. So if you will stand, I'm going to pray. Our worship band is going to sing one more song. And this is the time of invitation for you to come. If God's put stuff on your heart you need intense prayer for, I'll be standing right here. Come grab me by the arm. I would love to pray with you. But let's be real. Let's be serious. Let's be on fire. Amen? Let's do business with God. Father God, we come to you right now. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your servant, Jonah. I thank you, God, for that picture of you being a God that gives us second chances. And God, I thank you, Lord, for giving us all second chances. But Lord, I pray, God, that we wouldn't squander those opportunities. God, I pray that you would show us things in our life that needs to change. I pray, God, that you would show us, Lord, really reveal to us, Lord, what would change if you wasn't in our life. God, convict us, Lord. God, I don't want to be a man that's shallow. I want to be a man that's deep in you. And God, do that even in me, Lord. I'm just a servant proclaiming your word. God, I ask you to let us be hungry. God, don't let us stand in this seat and leave here empty and dry. God, I pray that you would move in the lives of these people. Lord, your word says that only you can make dry bones live. God, I pray that you would put in our mind's eye, God, the situations and circumstances we've struggled with, and Lord, we would quit trying to do them on our own, but we would bring them to you today. God, you were in the business of setting captives free. God, you pursues us. Your Holy Spirit brings situations to our hearts and to our minds in which we should bring to you, in which we should repent from, in which we should ask for guidance on. God, I pray that we would be a people that are totally dependent upon you. And God, we act when you say act. We move when you say move. So, Father, I ask you to move on us today. And God, I ask you to allow us to respond. In Jesus' name.